0: This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT, episode 94. We talk about the ANSYS Indie Autonomous Challenge simulation race, along with news and events from the world of ANSYS. Welcome. I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PDT and your host for this podcast. It's the start of August, and uh, unfortunately, the Delta mutation has turned things back a bit. Everyone's response to COVID-19, we're all reassessing it and all making adjustments as we go. So I hope everybody out there is staying safe and that that you and yours are not uh, too adversely impacted by this latest surge. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, uh, a great interview, and a look at ANSYS Inc's financial numbers and some news from PADT. So let's just jump right into that interview. A while back, we mentioned on the podcast that ANSYS Inc. was one of the sponsors for something called the Indy Autonomous Challenge. The race is for university teams to develop uh, AI-driven control software that they will then upload into identical, fully autonomous, open-wheel racing vehicles, and they're going to be able to run those vehicles um, fully autonomously at the Indy Raceway, which is pretty cool. As part of that program, the teams use ANSYS software to design and test their controllers, and then they use those controllers in ANSYS SPAOS to test things out and compete with one another in different ways. The whole process culminates uh, culminated actually on June 30th in something called the ANSYS Indie Autonomous Challenge Simulation Race. So it's basically a virtual race using ANSYS software and then the control software that these students have written um, to race. A against each other. So we're lucky enough to have John Zinn, who was the sponsor from Ansys and helped the students and student leaders from two of the teams that competed. In fact, the number one and number two team, Filippo Paravigini and Alexander Wishnowski. I'll let them pronounce their names more correctly in the interview. And I'll also let them explain more and talk about how they used the Ansys tools and, and what they did. It, was, it sounded pretty exciting, pretty cool uh, opportunity for everybody involved. I'm really excited today. Uh, Thank you for joining us for a a really cool discussion. Yes, we're gonna talk a little bit about simulation, but even more fun is we're gonna talk about two things that are really cool, which is racing and autonomous vehicles. And I'm joined today by um, some folks from both ANSYS and some teams competing in a um, autonomous vehicle race that's that's going on that ANSYS is a, a partial sponsor of. And we'll get into, I'll let them explain the details on that and all the proper names and things. But first let's meet guests. Uh, Alex, can you introduce yourself and, and let us know your background?
1: Yeah, hello from my side. Uh, my name is Alexander Buzhnevsky and I'm a PhD student at the Technical University of Munich. My research is in autonomous vehicle control, so that's about yeah calculating, steering, throttle, and brake signals to actually move the vehicle around when it's operating autonomous. Our team has been in the autonomous racing area for three years already, working with, with yeah, a variety of companies. So yeah, um, that's why we decided to engage in the India Autonomous Challenge.
0: Great. How about you, Filippo? Hello everyone, I am Filippo
2: Paravicini. I'm a PhD student in Automation and Control Engineering at Politecnico di Milano in Milan, Italy. Um, yeah, my research is pretty much about uh, uh, mobile robotics. Uh, um, I and autonomous stuff uh, regarding perception. And um, um, so everything that. regards Most vehicle and the other agents uh, them being other people. Or whatever <laughs> and um, actually our team. Do uh, these uh, uh, autonomous racing.
0: Uh, actually, you're dropping you out, out a little now? bit. Filippo, can you move a little bit closer to the microphone and say yes. that again? Should
2: I, okay. can you guys hear me well? Is it, uh, is it okay? still,
0: yeah, a little bit better, yeah.
2: Okay, should I start from the beginning?
0: Do you want no, me no, to no, no just, just the, the last bit there about the Okay.
2: The yeah, so the team is, uh, let's say, brand new. Uh, mm-hmm. I am part of a research group that is pretty much uh, experienced with a lot of stuff concerning uh, vehicle dynamics and vehicle control but uh, this is our uh, let's say one of the our first experience as a as an autonomous racing team Mm -hmm. Um, we learned about the competition pretty much by chance because one of our friend was uh, in the states in uh, in uh, greenville uh, Mm -hmm. working for clemson uh, which is one of the main partner of the competition that's how we uh, discovered about the competition and here we are and that's that's pretty much it
0: Great. And both of you come from very important automotive cities as well. So uh, a lot of heritage there that you're bringing to the table along with all the autonomous stuff. So that's that's amazing. Um, John, why don't you introduce yourself and then explain the Indie Challenge, the Autonomous Indie Challenge to us. Sure.
3: Uh, my name is John Zinn and I'm with Ansys and I serve as the director of Global Autonomous Solutions. So I'm working with our enterprise customers to deploy large-scale cloud-based Autonomous Vehicle Simulation uh, to Perform System Validation. And I joined ANSYS about a year ago and since then, uh, was able to get involved with the Indy Autonomous Challenge. The Indy Autonomous Challenge is modeled after the DARPA Grand Challenge Autonomous Vehicle Races uh, at the beginning of the the 2000s, around 2004. Mm -hmm. And the Indy Autonomous Challenge is a university Uh, race team competition where the teams are competing for 1.5 million dollars in prizes in a head-to-head high-speed autonomous race at the indianapolis motor speedway the physical race is planned for this october 23rd at indianapolis motor speedway and a top prize of a million dollars will be awarded to the first place team to complete a 20 lap race in under 25 minutes and that means that they would be driving at an average speed of over 120 miles per hour. The the competition started with about 40 teams and a lot of those teams have combined and over the past year the teams haven't had access to the physical race car as it's been designed and developed and as they are currently being built. So over the past year, simulation has kind of been a vehicle for the teams to work on their algorithms, their control algorithms, and to test it. And so ANSYS sponsored uh, the Indie Autonomous Challenge simulation race, mm. which was held in May to gauge the performance of the teams uh, using simulation software to compete in a head-to-head race.
0: Very cool. So so two things going on here with ANSYS. One is, is – um... You know, as a sponsor and giving the teams tools to use to help design and and program and test their vehicles, but it sounds like also um, there's a virtual race, which which is what got my attention uh, in a blog article uh, that ANSYS put out, and and it ended up being this phone call. Um, can, can you talk a little bit more about um, the race itself? You know, was it was it the full 20 laps and um, and how it went? Sure, we had 17. Uh, 17- 17 teams that
3: competed in the actual simulation race. Mm -hmm. Um, Two teams collaborated on one race vehicle, so we had a total of uh, 16 race vehicles that competed and the teams went through various stages, kind of replicating the same types of activities that would happen uh, at the Indianapolis 500. So we began by having the teams complete a single lap time trial Okay. and where they were the only team racing and then we measured that performance that kind of seeded their position going into uh, semi-final heats. But before we conducted the semifinal heats, we held a bunch of practice race starts where we would uh, assemble a grid. Uh, in our simulation race, we're racing eight vehicles at a time, eight out of the 16. And so we're going from the time trials which are just focused on you know single vehicle execution to now looking at vehicle to vehicle interactions and making sure that uh, the teams are able to have the right uh, collision avoidance and obstacle avoidance uh, algorithms in place and so we went, went through a series of practice starts and then that led up to uh, two semifinal races and then the top teams from the semifinal races went on to the final race. And we had uh, seven teams total competing in the final race. And instead of performing the full 20 laps, um, the simulation race was abbreviated to just 10 laps. Great.
0: Great, and, and what's what ANSYS tools were used to, to do the, the virtual race itself?
3: Yeah, the virtual race was performed in ANSYS VR experience driving simulator mm-hmm. powered by scanner. Um, so this is a, uh, we had a model of the Indianapolis track and then the vehicles are competing on that model of the track. And it really was a unique opportunity because in most autonomous vehicle simulations, you have one ego vehicle mm-hmm. and you have other actors that are around. In this case, we had you know, up to eight independent controllers that we were synchronizing in one massive simulation that was running on the cloud. Mm. And so all eight controllers are synced to each other, um, and then each controller uh, solves the current time step and produces commands for the next time step, and then the simulation advances one time
0: step. That is so cool. <laughs> I, you know, early on, you mentioned the the original DARPA challenge. I remember watching mm-hmm. a video of that, you know, that I think it was in the desert somewhere. And right. the, the cars with these gigantic arrays on top driving off the side of the road <laughs> as they were trying to figure it out, we have yeah. come so far. Um, that, that's pretty cool to be able to do it virtually. So so the guys that, that competed, you know, Alex and, and Filippo, what was it like to, to be watching that race as it was going on, and and uh, was it uh, pretty cool and exciting, or was it just watching numbers on the screen?
2: <laughs> Should I go? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, so we basically before the basically before the actual race, uh, we actually did a lot of let's say preparation tests, if mm-hmm. you want. So kind of races between ourselves. Actually, we. We uh, we did m- many of those with the TUM, so with with Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point is that uh, as you may imagine, the simulation may get quite complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you simulate uh, um, the let's say the simulation doesn't proceed exactly at the real time, is actually right. kind of slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of br- breathtaking because we had a. Uh, the the rendering of the simulation that was going on in front of our eyes but it was not exactly going at the at the real time mm-hmm. so you were watching these cars competing uh, and you were like maybe starting an overtake uh, and it would take mm-hmm. some time to actually see if you <laughs> managed to do it or not without crashing so yeah it was yeah it was interesting to, to, do, to do this kind of simulation but it was actually much better to, to see the final results. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch it after it's done. Yeah. 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 yeah very cool. I, I, I just think that's, that's amazing. And, um, uh, I didn't think about it that way, but because, because there's a little bit more tension there because you were waiting for it to solve the next time step. Yeah. That could get you on the edge of your seat for sure. Um, how, how about, how about you, uh, Alex, how was your, what was your experience uh, watching the, the final race?
1: Yeah, so for us, I think, um, the, the situation was that we always uh, had the target to focus yeah, on preparation for real world driving. So mm-hmm. we haven't been going too deep into like detailed optimization um, for the ANSYS simulation.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, yeah, uh, we've been doing a lot of preparation sessions with Polymove, which were yeah, like run on a daily basis. So what, what we did basically is we met every uh, evening, launched mm-hmm. a simulation mm-hmm. together, and then it was simulated overnight. And then right. in the morning yeah. you could watch the videos together. Um, at real time that was pretty exciting and as we got to the race I think both of us were quite confident that we yeah, had a good preparation but you know mm-hmm. as racing is everything can happen and especially in mighty weak situations there's always a little bit of chance involved to what, what we learned from these testing sessions with Polymove was especially that you want to uh, that if you want to be on the safe side, you're losing in many situations a position you don't really have to give away. So uh, we've been approaching this from a rather defensive point of view, increasing our aggressiveness in driving. So um, yeah, I think pretty much for both of us, it was like the question in the end: if you have been hitting the sweet spot between yeah making a bold move and mm-hmm. saving your position or yeah, getting an overtake done, or if you yeah, or if the software was getting overconfident, which could have been leading to a collision with someone, because yeah, here yeah, they are also maybe on a rather aggressive line. So there has always been this remaining uncertainty. <laughs> just because also we have been like testing with polymove but not with some of the other teams. So you don't know how they have been yeah, working on their controller. So there has been a lot of residual uncertainty, which we definitely faced during the race. So it was a great experience to see the final results.
0: Yeah, and as a as a former fan of Formula One, I can say I think it's the exact same thing with the non-autonomous racing. Right? Is is that question of how aggressive are you? How much do you wait? Uh, even more so, in, say um, NASCAR, which is which is often more of an endurance race than a than a, and a tactical race than an aggressive race. So um, great great to see that it fold over into the fully autonomous race cars as well, which is pretty cool. Um, I want to talk a little about Skade, and I think that, um, I, I know that Polymove is using Skade, I don't know if Toom is as well. Um, can, you, can you talk about the Ansa product and how to help you uh, do your control software a little bit?
2: So, yeah, um, as I told you at the beginning, we are a fairly new team in terms of autonomous racing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if we have a, a lot and stuff like that, and autonomous driving, uh, we didn't have uh, an autonomous racing navigation stack uh, ready to be used. So, uh, that means that for the India autonomous challenge, we started from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We had the full choice blank page in terms of uh, what type of software or language whatever we wanted to use. So, at the beginning of the competition, we got uh, produced uh, to skate
0: by the Mm -hmm.
2: ASSIS team. Um, And since uh, this was, uh, I mean, a product of of the same company, it it looked to us like a reasonable and and Mm -hmm. clever idea and smart idea to go for skate. I gotta say that yeah, the integration with the simulation was uh, with the simulation was uh, pretty pretty easy. So that allows us to allowed us to be um, pretty quick in our in our development. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't particularly. Uh, I mean, there were no big challenges for us to integrate uh, our control algori- algorithm uh, in the, in that in that kind of uh, in the kind of environment. Uh, be 100% honest, I've gotta say that one thing that we were lucky not to uh, that was not required in that type of environment were a strong uh, perception algorithm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the sensor side let's say of the competition uh, was not exactly identical to what we were doing. so we w- we didn't have the chance uh, of testing that part and i'm not exactly sure of how we would have uh, managed to put everything <laughs> into scale uh, but you know, uh, we we as I told you, we are pretty much beginners. So I'm I'm fully sure that there are many many capabilities and many uh, and there's a lot of potential in that software that we didn't have the chance of uh, exploring. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think that in the end we we got a decent result. We were satisfied. So yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Um, you know, John, I just as, as he was talking, I, I realized I know what SCADE is. You guys know what SCADE is. But our, our, some of our listeners, um, maybe on the fluids or mechanical side, or electrom- even the HFSS side, um, can you just give a brief rundown of what ANSYS SCADE is and and why you would use it to program the controller on an autonomous vehicle?
3: Yeah, ANSYS SCADE uh, is uh, a tool that ANSYS provides for embedded software development that uh, has built in integrity checks that allows for uh, validation of the code that you're building so that you can uh, validate the functionality of the code that's been developed.
0: So, so instead of just writing lines and lines of code, you kind of develop along the way with the checks built in. And if I remember correctly, it came out of like the Airbus uh, controls uh, exactly. uh, efforts to, to make sure that they were safer. And, uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Skade has a a long legacy in aerospace uh,
3: and also is applicable towards uh, automotive and autonomous is a great application for Skade.
0: Right, right, it's not it's not just a, uh, a, a throttle by wire anymore, right? The whole vehicle is a very sophisticated uh, control system and safety of tantamount. So that's that's why SCADE, I, I we, I mean, it's to our customers that use it feel like it's such a great tool for them um, in, in this application. That's great. So um, you know, I forgot to ask who actually won the race. <laughs> that would be a, a good <laughs> question for <laughs> Filippo. <laughs> there
2: we go. <laughs> we need... We did, Great. but we did, but TUM gave us a very hard time. Actually, they got us very scared. Alexander before was not exactly explaining the thing in the details, but the, <laughs> the reality is that we invited them uh, to, the, um, to the preparation sessions, uh, mm-hmm. these race prep sessions that we did you know, on a daily basis, and they came to the first session with a very, uh, how, how can I put it, uh, uh, in an elegant way. <laughs> an no, with a very safe driver. Let's ah, say, it, okay. a very safe driver. Uh, <laughs> so they were always giving up space to us. Uh, they were always very, getting because they really didn't want to crash into anyone, you know. Uh, and then as the time passed, uh, they got better and better and better. The last week they got us, uh, I mean, we did some sick. Races. They were very good with tons of, of the uh, with people getting the sleep in blocking. I would say three, two or three days. Uh, yeah. As Alex said, uh, the race was still totally an an uncertain thing for us. We 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 were, we had no guarantee that we would have won and that we wouldn't have crashed uh, into the um <laughs> or something. So yeah.
0: Cool. Oh, cool. I hope you had some virtual champagne to celebrate your win on the on the podium. So, um, so so, John, you were, you were able to watch these two teams as well as other teams. Was was there something that uh, kind of surprised you that that happened during the virtual race that was kind of a, wow, we didn't expect that to happen, or did it all pretty much go to plan?
3: You know, it. Looking at the virtual race, uh, the one takeaway that I had is that it presented itself a little bit differently than a traditional Indianapolis 500 race mm-hmm. in the sense that when you watch a Indianapolis 500 race there's kind of a uh, agreed upon path that all of the race cars are taking and you'll watch them snake in this single line as they're mm-hmm. performing lap by lap until they get to the right time and then they decide to execute some passing maneuver on one of the straightaways and the thing that was interesting about the simulation race is that you can see each individual team is working hard on developing their best path. You know, how am I going to maneuver my vehicle around the track? And mm-hmm. there, you know, how I do that independent of other cars trying to find the fastest racing line. And then now you bring in other cars and it's how do I race my predetermined best line? in this dynamic environment with other race cars. So <laughs> it's it's not as if all the race cars have decided, you know, here is the best line and we're all gonna uh, drop into a nice, neat uh, column of vehicles until we're ready to pass. Um, you do have this interesting dynamic of different teams racing on different lines and then having to modify that line to interact with
0: other race cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that that is really interesting um and, and yeah you you definitely see that watching uh, not just oval races but road races as well as there's a there's they all kind of follow the leader right and uh, this does give them the opportunity to try new and different things uh that's pretty pretty cool um so what's next in the competition it's the you're actually building the real cars and um and uh, going to do the fully autonomous race right
3: That's right. This summer, uh, the teams actually get their first race cars. They're spending pretty much the whole summer in Indianapolis and are able to do some testing at the Lucas Oil uh, Mm -hmm. Speedway. And they also have some track day set up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then that ultimately leads to the final race, which is planned for this fall.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I look, I really do look forward to that. Um, you know, it's been kind of probably a good, good experience for you guys, Alex and and Filippo, to to use simulation and to to learn a lot. You know, what each of you, what was your biggest lesson learned as you went through up to up to and including this virtual race? What was the thing you you'd like to pass along to maybe other college students or people in the autonomous industry?
1: So. Basically, I think there are two things we've been taking away from uh, working in simulation. The first is um, one of the big challenges is uh, that having multiple cars acting themselves is different from um, having multiple cars where some of them are running pre-scripted trajectories or running on very simple models. So it is absolutely essential when we want to scale up to having AV vehicles, yeah, out in the wild, um, that we do simulations which involve multiple um, autonomous vehicles. Probably also with like different software stacks, because there there can be many things which can go wrong. And just like the complexity of the task is probably one of the yeah most challenging things in in the current technological development. So we think it's definitely necessary that probably like car makers have to come mm-hmm. together and do those simulations. Together, not in the sense that you know they share code or whatever, but in the sense of co-simulation. So everybody can run his code on his own servers, machines, whatever. Um, but it's definitely a lot to be learned from that. And the second thing, um, which was apparent to us, is that uh, the capability of having real-time simulation and be yeah, a proper multi-threading um, simulation. So the capability of splitting your code. Uh, on like yeah, multiple CPU cores. That's mm-hmm. something you definitely have to do to yeah utilize the full potential of the hardware you have in those vehicles. That's a crucial thing for a simulation environment such that you're able to transfer from the simulation to real world. So yeah, we have seen really challenges in that part and mm-hmm. there was a lot to be learned. So um, yeah, that's from my point of view, are the two main learnings. Mm-hmm. People cool. might cool. Want add some. Well,
2: uh, be honest, I totally second what you said. So yeah, I agree completely. Um, kind of going on from your first point, uh, I, I I totally agree. So the the interactions uh, between the cars uh, were particularly interesting and unpredictable. And I've got to say that, of course, I mean getting different controllers is not like uh, nice to have; is kind of mandatory. Uh, we did plenty of races. Uh, running multiple instances of our, of the same code, of our own code, mm-hmm. and they were not, I mean, they were interesting, but are not as as uh, interesting as what you get when you have two, three, four different controllers mm-hmm. that interact, because that's a slight change in how you approach the race or the autonomous driving problem in general, um, a lot of, of a difference. Um, and But that for us, one thing that is particularly interesting and that, at least
0: for me. Hope you dropped You dropped off there, Filippo, can you say that last bit again?
2: Yeah, Uh, so one thing that in my opinion, it's particularly interesting and that could be uh, one of the possible ways in which autonomous racing, let's say progress in the future. Mm -hmm is uh, uh, the possibility of getting autonomous driving cars and humans actually interacting uh, uh in the same environment because i mean i think that for the development of autonomous driving that's a stage that we are not going to be able to skip you know so it's not like from one day to the to the other we are going to have uh, 100% of autonomous vehicles on 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 the streets right um so that's a particularly interesting thing that i I would like to see, because uh, I mean, seeing how autonomous driving controllers interacting with each other were causing I mean, this uh, mess—it's mm-hmm. kind of super complex situation. I would be thrilled to see.
0: Yeah, I could, I so could, value. I I could see uh, a bunch of people uh, sitting in their at their uh, automotive simulators uh, on their computer, um, uh, hooked into a uh, to 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 um, vrx driving sim and get get the human human controller in the loop as well um which is far more unpredictable than the algorithms right
2: (laughs) well cool yeah yeah totally actually to to be honest i'd actually like to see also Real human driver on real car. So after we try that in simulation, and we see that we don't kill the driver every time, and maybe we can try on the real vehicle. Yes, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And definitely, if you ever make it out here to Phoenix, uh, come to our neighborhood. Uh, there's a. There's a. Uh, a Waymo vehicle about every hundred yards driving around our neighborhood. So uh, it's a good way to, to, to uh, be in the middle of it all. It's pretty cool to watch. Um, So um, John, do you have any, any parting thoughts for, for Ansys users in general about this, this whole experience and uh, uh, do you think you want to pass along?
3: I just thought I was really impressed with uh, the work that the teams did for being such a challenging problem to solve. And um, not having any other tools at their disposal other than simulation. So I think you know the takeaway that I had from it is that simulation's uh, a great tool that our customers use to accelerate their time to market um, and reduce development costs by bringing simulation in early. And you know when you look at the autonomous industry, I've, I've been a part of it for the past five years. Um, a lot of times you see this kind of prototype first, Uh, Uh path doing development you know we're going to throw some sensors on we'll build a testing mule we'll collect some data um we'll get some early algorithms out there and uh, this is just a great example of doing something in simulation uh building the controllers and having pretty much an advanced feel for how the car performs uh before getting the physical car and and now that the teams have their physical cars Uh uh the learning only continues, and you get, you know, more data from real sensors. Uh, you know, working with a real compute system, uh, electrical in- infrastructure, and control system, and then uh, continuing to get learning. But they have a good foundation uh, to explore the physical car and to pro- explore their performance.
0: A hundred percent. And you know, one of the things that that really occurred to me while you guys were chatting was. You know, one of the one of the reasons why motorsports are such an important thing is it's pushed technology, right? Way way back, you know, through the through the hills near 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 where you live, uh, uh, Filippo. You know, the the Grand Touring days, um, and you know, really perfecting those engines and those early vehicles from from names that are household names now, right? Was was all driven by racing, and of course, the Indianapolis 500 is a is a huge was a huge proving ground for American automotive uh, technology for for you know, a long time. It's maybe getting close to 100 years now, um, and uh, I, it's so cool to see it pushing and as a as a test bed in a way to push the technology for autonomous vehicles as well, um, and uh, you know, make it make it so that you know. Someday it'll be in my car, hopefully sooner rather than later. So um, I'm really excited about it, and uh, I really look forward to watching the final race. I've got it on my calendar, and uh, I, I want to wish uh, you guys, both of you guys, uh, good luck and uh, and uh, good racing. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. Thanks for your time, guys, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully talk soon and, and learn more about how everything went afterwards. Totally. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, all. Bye. 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 Like I said, that, that just super cool. Um, I wish they had something like that when I was in school. Um, <laughs> I think we I think we had a solar powered car, but there was a there was somebody inside of it. Uh, you can watch the qualifying laps, the semifinals, and the twenty lap race itself on the ANSYS website. If you go to wwwansyscom experiences race or you can just search for um, Ansys Autonomous indie race or something like that, and you'll find it as well. But do check it out. And as I mentioned in the requ- in the interview itself, um, racing has always been a great way to push technology, and it's great to see that this tradition continues into the autonomous and virtual worlds as we do more and more with that out there uh, for for both commercial and uh, uh, I guess retail driving. We would call it when people like us are driving around, not just trucks and things. Um, And this will help push that technology and and motivate and train a group of new students to be the uh, leaders in that area. Uh, ANSYS uh, software is used across many racing series, um, all sorts of things from the from uh, you know, local little racetracks to Formula One to the uh, e- Formula E racing. Um, and companies use it to give them a competitive edge when they're doing racing. And now uh, in this new world of fully autonomous car racing, it's great to see uh, ANSYS playing a role. The teams are getting busy uh, getting their software loaded up in the real cars right now. They're in Indianapolis itself. And the plan is to race at the Brickyard on October 23rd. And we will certainly update everyone on that race in case you missed it. Um, we talked about ANSYS SCADE and ANSYS SPAOS during the interview. So let's make that the uh, commercial for this episode. SCADE allows the team to write their code in a safe way where every line is created with standards and checks. SPAOS then takes that code physics models for the vehicles and simulates the LiDAR and other sensors and runs the control software in a loop with all of that. So they're able to, to actually test how this all works. And if you go and watch that video I talked about on the ANSYS website, you can actually see the LiDAR signal that the, that the software interprets the control software gets. In the case for a race, Uh, Not just uh, for this race, but leading mobility players and aerospace companies around the world use these tools along with other ANSYS products to give them a real-world competitive edge as transportation moves into this world of autonomy. If you're designing a product that uses sensors and autonomy, or you are writing complex controller code, even if it's not for mobility, ANSYS, SPEOS and SCADE are um, something you should be looking at and look at integrating it into your product development process. In the past, you may have thought that this type of simulation was way too complex to be feasible, but these student teams have shown that nothing could be further from the truth. So reach out to PADT or whoever you work with to get your ANSYS software to learn more about these fantastic tools and how they work with the rest of the ANSYS suite. All right. Let's take a look at the ANSI stock. Um, the price has climbed back up and closed on Friday, August 6th. I'm recording this on the 8th, uh, on a Sunday, and the 6th was the Friday when it closed. And it closed at $374.74. So it's still short of that all-time high back in February of $413.19, but it's working its way back up. Um, That is a a market capitalization of $32.6 billion, so pretty significant value for the company as a whole. Since our last episode, ANSYS released their financial results for the second quarter of 2021, and let's go over those important numbers. But first, a little bit of a note. ANSYS reports both GAAP, which is generally accepted accounting principles, and non-GAAP numbers. So to be consistent, I'm just going to report the GAAP numbers. If it makes a difference, please do check out the report. and I'll talk about that when I'm done with this little bit here. So for the second quarter of 2021, they had $446.7 million in revenue. It wasn't that long ago that that was a whole year, and Q2 is usually kind of a slow quarter, so that's really, really impressive. Um, They had a $97.7 million uh, profit on that to give them a margin of 26.1%. So uh, that margin is down slightly from Q2. Uh, of 2020 on both the margin and the profit side. Um, uh, They had less revenue in 2020 in the second quarter, but um, they had greater profit uh, or about the same profit. So the margin then was 29.3% versus 26.1%. So not a big difference, but uh, it's there. Uh, That puts the company at 809.9, 809.9. Let's just say 810 million dollars year-to-date revenue, and that's up 17% for six from 691 million at the same point in 2020 at the end of the second quarter, halfway through the year. Profit is up year-to-date as well at 166 million versus 143 million at the same time last year, but uh, with a slightly lower margin of 20.6%. Because many Ansys transactions are multi-year, and when customer pl- pay, customers pay is all over the place. Sometimes they pay by the month. Sometimes they pay by the year. Sometimes they pay every other year. What one of the things they started doing is reporting something called the annual contract value. So that's 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 what they booked. What kind of revenue over time did they book? So what's the annual value of what they sold? Um, and that number is also up. It's up by 25% for the same quarter uh, compared to the same quarter last year at 430.5 million. Um, and it's 750 million for the year to date. So it's a nice big round number that looks good the other number i like to look at uh it's actually two numbers is cash on hand as well as what the debt is so you know how much how much powder they have and as of june 30th 2021 it's sitting at cash is sitting at 958 million dollars so it's getting close to that 1 billion dollar mark um, that's up 45 million from the start of the year and debt is 753 million and that gives them a net nest egg of 204 million dollars so that's plenty of dry powder for another Acquisition for for a smaller or medium-sized company, and um, you know they got plenty of room with that kind of cash to uh, take on more debt. So strong numbers, uh, and they continue to show commitment to investing in people and technology. You know, that's one of the reasons why the margins is probably are probably down is making that investment, um, and uh, it, it, compared to their historical levels. So I think that's really good to see. Um, if you are more interested in this and wanted to dig into the numbers yourself, head over to investors.ansys.com and click on the Q2 2021 results or any past uh, quarters, if you would like, or years, if you'd like. There's a lot of really good information there, and you can get much more into the details. And you can also read their press release where they kind of talk about why some of the things happened the way they did. So let's move on to, to, to general ANSYS news. Um, that was, of course, their big news. Um, the other news they reported since the last time we talked on this podcast were they announced that they won two, uh, ones, one is the company won an award, and the other is some employees won the award. Um, the employees, um, several, five uh, ANSYS employees, were named as prestigious women of color in STEM. And they were recognized for their contributions to the STEM community and to the industry as well. So that was really good to see such a large number of ANSYS employees um, of the female persuasion and uh, represent, uh, representing different groups of people and diversity within the company. And um, is is a uh, an acknowledgment of the commitment, not only of the company, but um, I know personally from working with them of the employees to, to make a difference in STEM and to reach out to communities that are maybe underrepresented. Presented otherwise, and the second one was a corporate award. Uh, Ansys was named to Fast Company's third annual list of the 100 best workplaces for innovators. So that's kind of a cool one, right? It's not not about numbers or anything like that. It's about um, this is a, if you're an innovator, this is a great place to work. And yeah, if you look at all the new capabilities and tools and functionality they're adding to the code, yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely a great place to work for that. All right. We also have some news for PADT. We did a press release last week. You may have seen it, but if not, I'll go through it pretty quickly. And we basically announced a leadership expansion in our sales and support department. And that impacts many of you who listen to this podcast because that's the group that sells Ansys and provides technical support for Ansys. So over time, a number of salespeople and engineers who sell and support Ansys Stratasys 3D printers, Flonax simulation software, and more more recently we've added EOS metal 3D printers and uh, GOM scanners. That's all grown over time and we needed to rearrange some things and provide some focus where needed. So we promoted, I'm gonna talk about the three people who were promoted. The first one is Ted Harris and he is now the director of simulation support. Alan McNeil is the Director of Enterprise Solutions and Alliances, and Catherine Pesta is the new Director of Sales Operations. So many of our listeners may know Ted. Um, he's been running our support team for 25 plus years and has been on this podcast many times, uh, as has his staff, and it still takes uh, he still takes a massive amount of the tech support calls uh, himself. As part of this change, we've divided our support, technical support team uh, a bit, creating a, a team for pre-sales, kind of application engineering and a team for the technical support and although engineers in each team as well as our consulting group do both um, they're focused um, they'll now have a primary focus either pre-sales or post-sales work so that we can schedule them a little bit better they can concentrate and develop their skills a little bit better for each of those but they'll also continue to do support and uh, you know that that won't change too much just their focus um, Doug Otis, uh, also a frequent guest in this podcast and the other person that takes on a lot of our tech support calls, he's now stepping up and running the application engineering team. And Ted, for now, is going to be the acting manager for the team of support engineers, as well as the department or the, the overall group head as the director of support for software. So, if you the next person I want to talk about and if you've worked in aerospace or national lab and you're an Ansys user you may know Alan McNeil. He worked in the strategic accounts at Ansys before joining PAT. And he is heading up a new group where we will place our salespeople who handle those enterprise accounts, those large accounts and strategic accounts um, for both Ansys and Stratasys. He will also carve out time to focus on our partnership with other vendors beyond Ansys and Stratasys. So Flonex, GOM, EOS, and some other folks we are talking to who we will talk to in the future that would be a good fit to complement the other tools we're selling and supporting. Um, Alan's going to be in charge of developing those relationships and managing that, those sales. So a little bit of focus there on enterprise and other uh, non-ANSYS, non-STRADASYS sales. And a group of people we don't talk about enough on this podcast is our sales support team. And Catherine Pesta, who some of you may have interacted with or not, has been promoted to run the operations for the whole department and help the salespeople and engineers be more efficient, uh, do more and uh, more uh, strategic marketing uh, for our reselling uh, part of our business, and keep the wheels on the bus. This is the most important thing that she does is keep the wheels on the bus and keep them turning. In fact, this podcast and our wonderful producer, Trevor Rubinoff, report to Catherine. So this is really their production with me just yakking. Uh, in between, so uh, we're really excited about all three of them agreeing to step up and take on more responsibility, both with people and and uh, tasks. And we think that in the end, it will provide you, the customers, with um, better service and allow us to grow faster. Now, having said all that, um, we are still hiring both salespeople and application or, um, uh, engineers across the company. Uh, do check out slash careers or just go to our website and click on. And um, you can see what we're hiring for. And if you're interested in working or you know somebody that's interested in working for us, please apply. And do note that we do have just a generic position that's posted. So if you don't see something that's a perfect fit for you, don't hesitate to apply to that generic position. Um, we have hired people from that where we're just like, you know, two months from now or a month from now, we're like, wow, uh, we need somebody to do A. Oh, wait, we've got a resume for that. So um, don't hesitate again, you or your uh, people, you know, who are interested in working for PDT. Many of the positions are across the West. They're not all in Arizona. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, congrats to um, our three, um, you know, fantastic employees who have stepped up to take on these greater management positions and uh, help make our sales and support a better thing. I'm going to skip the ANSYS blog because we've gone kind of long with this other stuff to uh, quickly go through events. Our next webinar is on the 11th of August, which is, uh, I think, Wednesday, and it's Discovery Updates in ANSYS 2021 R2. As always, you can go to brighttalk.com or go to our events page at pdtinc.com slash events to figure out how to sign up for that. Also, I am going to be getting on a plane for the first time in over 18 months. I checked it out. I did the math. Um, It has been since uh, early May or April, May, you know, during February, March, Uh, early March, since I last traveled, actually. And um, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm just flying to Orange County from, from Arizona, which is an hour-long flight. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I bought some new masks, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be going to the Design, Engineering, Build Show. Uh, it's the new name for the combination of MDM and West, the Pacific Design Show, ATX West, PlasTech West, um, and a couple other shows that have been uh, put on by the same organization there in the Anaheim Convention Center for a long time they're 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 integrating them even more and more every year and now it's called design engineer and build We'll be in booth 3461, and I'll be talking about simulation in that booth, uh, as well as our uh, some of our Ansys folks, uh, sales folks, and uh, anybody else that uh, is, is there in California will be showing up off and on through the week. Um, I'll be there on Tuesday and Thursday. On Wednesday, I'll be hosting the 3D printing track. Um, that's August 11th at the conference part uh, uh, upstairs uh, in the meeting rooms. And Jeff Wells will be in the booth. On Wednesday. So, we're focusing just on simulation this time, and we'd love to have you, if you're an ANSYS user, stop by and say hi and uh, tell us you like the podcast. Also, later in the month, we'll be going to our second show. We packed them both into the same month, the Space Symposium. That's in Colorado Springs, the 23rd to the 26th. We're going to be in multiple booths. Um, we're going to be in an Arizona booth. We're going to be in a combined Flonex EOS booth, and we'll also be in the Stratasys booth there. So uh, look for people in PADT shirts uh, wandering around if you're going to that show. I'll be in the Arizona booth. Uh, last but not least on the event calendar, if you were local, I'll be doing a virtual chat. Actually, you can, you can do this from anywhere. I don't know why I said local, because uh, it's virtual, um, with a local accelerator called Chandler Innovations. And it's a little bit of a fireside chat with a friend of mine, Tom. And we're gonna be talking about defining and understanding your market. And although this is aimed at startups, it's an important topic for anyone involved in product development. In fact, if it's an existing product or an existing company, it's just as important to understand your market. And if you're an ANSYS engineer, as you probably are, if you listen to this podcast, it's still important, right? You still, it, it all goes back to what are you trying to figure out with simulation? And it and it all boils down to, you know, understanding your market. Will, will in the simulation world, will it do what the market wants, right? From a virtual standpoint, we can test that. So uh, again, uh, anybody that's interested in that topic, please do check it out on our events page. You can register there. And it's a free event uh, at 11 o'clock, I think, uh, um, sometime uh, in two weeks. So do check that out. Um, That's it. I want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to wwwpdtcom slash opt-in, which is our newsletter, which has all sorts of news and events and links. Do spread the word about the podcast do um, subscribe to the podcast if you're using a podcasting tool. And uh, we'd love to have more people listening in. And as always, do not hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 94. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc. And the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.pattinc.com blog. And please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at See you next time.